Welcome aboard this week's podcast of Dudes Dish Disney. Get ready for amazing attractions across America. Beer halls and bar rooms, banquets and beverages, a collection of characters and colleagues. No cupcakes. It's Dudes Dishing Disney. This episode of Dudes Dish Disney is sponsored by Magic Vacations. Magic Vacations. Discover the magic of travel. And now your hosts, the dudes of Dudes Dish Disney. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dudes Dish Disney. Joining us this week is Jonathan, our producer and resident tech dude. What's going on, guys? Also joining us is Ryan, our co-host. He is the number one Disney dude. What's up, dudes? And I'm Congo Carl, former Jungle Cruise skipper, here to guide you through this week's episode of Dudes Dish Disney. And this week, we are going to give you a special preview out in Disneyland of the Main Street Story Tour. And to help us do this and go through this original OG event is a very special guest. She's been with us before. Please welcome our fellow MVP, Nicole Rodway. How's it going, dudes? What's up, Nicole? Hey there. You are an original OG <laughs> visitor to Dudes Dish Disney. I think that's the way Carl would introduce things. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's the OG with the O being squared. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me feel rather old. <laughs> oh, don't worry. He's the old one. You're know. fine. <laughs> It's D cubed, but O squared. You're so weird. All right, let's, let's keep, keep going. All right. So, Nicole, um, you had a trip out to Disneyland. Yeah, I went out to Disneyland um, actually with some other MVPs uh, at the end of October of 2022. So pretty recently. Very nice. Now, you've been there before. Was this kind of your... I've been to Disney World several times, but growing up on the East Coast, Disneyland was not really part of the regular vacation plans as a child. And then I followed suit and kept sticking to the East Coast. So I was really excited to have the opportunity to go out to Disneyland for the first time. It is really, I didn't see, I didn't know it was your first time. So now I'm going to ask you a few questions. Um, it, it is something, right? To really find yourself there, having been an East Coast fan and finally make it out there. Oh, it's absolutely, it's just something so special about knowing you're in the park where Walt actually was and had a true active hand in, I mean, obviously things have changed, but a hand in a lot of what's still there. Um, it had a totally different feel to it. I, it felt, it felt like, uh, and I love Disney world, but I've been there so many times now, as much as it's magical, it, I'm not as in awe of it anymore. And Disneyland had that feeling for me again, because it's my first time there. So that was a really cool experience. And then just thinking about, um, and with this tour, especially the stories of, of Walt being there and his influence on things and how what he did in Disneyland has shaped all of the other parks, really, you know, Disney World, but also the others around the world. Um, it's pretty cool. It was a, That's it was a, a great way to describe it, what you just said. I know Ryan's band will probably agree is, you know, we get a little commonplace because we're so fortunate enough to go so much. And the first time I stepped in Disneyland too, I had that sense again of being a kid, you know, because when I grew up, 
and the wonderful world of Disney was on TV and Disneyland showed the previews of the park, I was a little kid and wanted to go. And my parents, you know, like I bugged them about it. And they were originally, oh, they heard they're building this place closer on the East Coast. We'll wait till that's built and we'll take you there. Right. And that's what happened. So I never went. And so I was on a business trip about, um, gosh, about five or six years ago and had some downtime. And I took the day to do that. Went in and got my first time visitor button. Yeah. <laughs> and jumped right on the fire truck to head down to the hub and start exploring. And uh, the driver leans over to me and he goes, your first visit? I said, yeah. He said, what took you so long? Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's great. And I was like, oh, I just felt like, yeah. <laughs> yeah I was wanting to be here since I was a kid and this this person knew, you know? So that's great. So so you took this tour that we're all in envy of and we want to hear all about. Um, and it's called the Waltz Main Street Story Tour. Um, and it's only offered at Disneyland um, at, at that park. And so tell us a little bit about it. You know, uh, let, give us some of the, the logistics now. Is it is it a morning tour, an afternoon tour? How long is it? Give us some of the some of the basics if, pe if we wanted to book somebody on that tour. Sure. Yeah. So the tour is um, approximately 90 minutes and begins going down Main Street and talking about some of the history and the different places and literally stories um of the creation of it changes over time and so on and then it culminates you, you go down and you come back up the other side and you actually get to go inside Disney's apartment um where Walt and his family spent quite a bit of time actually um when he was alive and that's I think the highlight in the attraction for many people that was for me when when I saw that this tour was um available it because it just restarted post-covid at you know at the end of last year and I looked at my husband he happened to be working from home that day and I saw it pop up and I'm like so this tour that goes to Walt's apartment is available while we're there <laughs> and uh kind of like I'm clicking on it right now um <laughs> but honestly it, it was a fabulous tour um you you meet up at the very beginning right there um at the beginning of Main Street walk main street and and in his apartment so all right so you check in they check yep. in and they give you a little vip service when you check in so yeah i mean then and there's several tours throughout the day too so they have you show up 15 minutes or so prior to your tour and check in and um and when we went and i believe when um another one of our mvps bob um, who's been on the show before went on his tour as well um the tour guide is actually the person who is greeting you at the check-in and she said okay so here's my most important question what do you want to drink at the end because you get refreshments on Walt's patio it's like you know the typical coke products um and then they give you a badge to wear that says Walt's Main Street story and you sit and wait for the rest of your group it's a small group regardless even if you had a full tour it's a fairly small group um on ours it was my husband and I another couple and a family of four. It was um, all adult children, but because it's not really a tour for little guys. Um, you know, a, a eight or 10 people is typically the max that they'll take on the tour. So you sit and wait till they're ready. And then they do give you um, an earpiece to wear and your tour guide is mic'd up. And it was good for two reasons for our tour guide. She was just a soft-spoken person as it was. She was incredible, but she's just a soft-spoken person. And of course we, we did a tour at two o'clock in the afternoon. 
So Main Street's bustling at two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, I'm sure the 9 a.m. tour is similar, right? Because you've got everybody making their way into the park to, to rope drop and to get to their first ride of the day. So it was really nice to have that sound coming right in and be able to hear everything. So they took care of all of that, testing the equipment and all that kind of thing in that 15 minute check-in kind of time frame prior to the tour beginning. Now, was your guide someone just for this tour or were they a plaid? So they are, this, this woman had been working and doing tours, um, kind of a previous iteration of this tour prior to COVID. And then a lot of those folks ended up in guest relations, just kind of in general, um, when the tours weren't going on. And so that's where she was coming back over from to, to do this tour and, um, other uh, of the guided and escorted tours, not the VIP experiences, but the other tours that they hopefully will be bringing back, either introducing or reintroducing, um, you know, as we continue on that path of normalizing things. Um, however, this was the first one back, uh, the first tour to come back. So just a handful of those guides came back over from guest relations and are getting back into to providing the tours. All right. So California is a little further behind, right, than than Florida is in terms of getting some things back. But that's nature of the beast. Not to get into the politics of it, but just to kind of state oh, that for people that are listening and might not understand. You know, that's yeah. definitely played an impact. A lot more of these experiences have already come back and are available at Disney World. Right. Um, yeah. And California is just making its way. It'll get there. Um, but I, right. I Disney World offered more of them to begin with as well, where they have the four parks and they have yep. experience at each of the parks so agreed yeah look at we always encourage our clients uh that these tours are another way to see the parks that you haven't and if you are a fan you're going to learn things that you never thought you'd know even if even the best and biggest fans pick up some tidbits right so describe it for us you kick off you're you're on the tour what happens you, you head down main street yeah so you, you head off down main street as a group and pause in front of different places um and literally this is a storytelling tour which i totally love you know in my past life i was a social studies teacher and i always wanted to teach history through just storytelling right like all right guys you won't believe some of these crazy characters in history let's talk about it and so it was really kind of a cool way to to have things pointed out and to learn about things along main street without it just feeling like a list of facts. Because we've all read the different tour books and stuff, right? Where you're like, oh, yeah, this was in this and this, and you know. Um, but we stop and we tell stories. So like one of the first places we stopped is um, a theater where there's a mannequin, like in the ticket-taking booth. Main Street Cinema, Cinema. yeah. Yeah. And so she has a name tag and everything that says Tilly on it. And they were telling us about how Tilly um, actually gets her, her wardrobe changed seasonally. Um, you know, she'll be wearing shorter sleeves in the summer. It was it was fall. She was sporting longer sleeves, um, always very fancily dressed, not a Halloween costume, even though we were celebrating. Uh, it was Halloween time when we were out there. So um, those kinds of things, like, I feel like even if I'd been to Disneyland 10 times, I would walk by that cinema and not notice that Tilly had different clothes on, right? Like, <laughs> it's little details that you wouldn't necessarily pick up upon or um so so wait is is tilly the original og cast member <laughs> is, is that... <laughs> she just peeled over and propped her up in the ticket booth. Right, yeah <laughs> no she's been there for a really long time because the main street cinema has been there you know um, um that's a difference i noticed to the two main streets too the um 
extra decorations in Main Street in California go beyond Disney World. There's several places like the Emporium with mannequins that are dressed up or, you know, pretending to work upstairs above the area. So there's a lot of that. So I'm sure Tilly... Tilly's been around a little bit. Her Tilly's seen some things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, back in, uh, you know, originally when um, the Main Street Cinema was a ticketed attack attraction, it was an A ticket, right, to go in and see the cartoons. Yep. There was a real person in that booth taking your tickets, right? And now yeah. because uh, it's it's pay one price and you're in everywhere, they just stuck poor Tilly in there and that's it. Tilly's in there. She's got a cup of now, tea. Now, was there any story or connection to Walt's childhood going to the movie theaters and becoming, you know, the, the inspiration or was it more about this character on Main Street? Is it more of a story well, about her? But at that particular spot, we were talking a bit more just about the character and that there's characters along Main Street and, and that, you know, um, cast members will give them kind of funny stories and that kind of thing at times that, um, but of course we know right that the inspiration for main street usa in disneyland was walt thinking about his boyhood home right and and that this feeling and this nostalgia of small town usa being a really awesome way to welcome guests into the park and, and really one of the first things they pointed out to us on the tour is that every disney park has its own version of main street so here in the u.s both Disney World and Disneyland have Main Street USA. That'd be kind of weird in Shanghai, right? Um, <laughs> so they've taken the same idea and it's it's meant to fit culturally in each place, but you still walk in and you have this Main Street area with shops and different things that leads to essentially what we refer to as the hub and, and all of that. And that is a mainstay of the Disney parks. It was really important to Walt that that was the feeling that you got when you entered the park. He loved that the railroad came through, which is where we have rail stations in both Disneyland and Disney World, kind of right there at the top of Main Street. Um, that was important to him. That gave him that feeling of small town America, of family, of, of kind of the vibe that he wanted the park to have. Um, so, so we spoke about that. And then one of the, the things that we kind of pointed out right around the Tilly area, but, but a little bit beyond was that in a normal small town, the shops along Main Street, there's going to be some that, have, you know, they've been there since your grandparents were young, but there's going to be others that come and go. And that's the same with the Main Streets within Disney parks. Um, Disneyland has had places that were open for even long runs, 20 years, 30 years, but they come and they go and it's always evolving. And that was something that was really important to Walt. He didn't want it to be completely static, that this is how we designed it opening day and this is how it's going to be. He wanted it to change as things change. So um, I thought that that was pretty, I mean, it makes sense, but you had to put thought into it. And those are the amazing things that Walt thought of that nobody else really does. Right. So yeah. just as you get past the cinema, um, I think one of the stops on the tour is um, East Center Street, right? Yes. Yep. We talk about East Center Street and the what that represents and the story yeah, so behind it. So it's a little bit of like a cross street, right? And if you're looking at it walking by, you might see it. It's, oh, it's a little sitting area or something like that. But if you go in, there's different businesses there. For example, there's a dentist office. Not a real functioning dentist's office, of course, but if the park were to be quiet enough, if you were in that area, and it is a quieter area off Main Street, 
and you stand in the right spots, they've actually used to have sounds in there that sounded like you were at the dentist. So you might hear a little bit of a drill in the background or a patient who's complaining of pain or, or you know, whatever it might be. Um, the end of that was meant to be um, a hotel or an inn. And so you'd hear the idea, you know, suitcases coming and going or, or guests and that kind of thing. Uh, in reality, it was office space. So sometimes what you heard were just people's normal, you know, back and forth walking around. They were at work, but that fit with people walking around a hotel or a dentist's office or those types of things. Um, so again, you know, it's modeled after places that were important to Walt and some of the other people that were instrumental in designing Disneyland. They thought of these places that existed in their hometowns and in their cities, but also made them generic enough that we could all connect to them. You know, every everybody's got a dentist at home, you know. Um, I, I, I think the dentist office with the drill sound should be the entrance to Disney Horror Nights. Right. That, <laughs> that doesn't sound like it fits anywhere in Disney World to me. I, I, like, I get it, but... Like that's the entrance to the dark park. That's all I'm saying. That's, like. that's your villain park that you can talk about. <laughs> right. you know? like, here he comes. <laughs> oh. That just that you know what that reminds me of my childhood is nothing good. Okay. <laughs> Bad things. <laughs> give well, me the cookie smell. Yeah. Too much going on at the confectionery shops and the, yep. the pastry bakery. You might end up at the dentist. There you go. There you go. And of course, the names on the windows and such, just like in Walt Disney World, they are, they're reflective of those people that had that vision and that were designing not just that area of the park, but the parks in general, or were instrumental to the Disney company at the time. Um, and they cleverly um, give them titles that might fit into a Main Street setting, even if that's not what they were doing. Like um, Emile Curie is noted as an interior designer. He was a set designer and he helped design a lot of the rides and the queues and those types of things. Um, but that would be weird. Set designer who has a set designer on Main Street. But you might have an interior decorator or an interior designer on Main Street. So, um, you know, a, a cool thing to do. And we talked about some of the different names that were up there, the costume designers and, and those types of things. Um, but a cool thing to do at some point is to look at and do it in Walt Disney World too. Look at the names up there. And while you're waiting in line later in the day, Google who those people really were and like what was their contribution because those are not arbitrary names. Those were very, a lot of thought was put into that. And that's a huge nod of recognition to people who had a lot to do with these parks. If you're a Disney buff, you can definitely walk down Main Street and recognize the names and recognize what they're alluding to. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's, and it's quite an honor if you're part of that Disney legacy or the original nine men or whatever, there's only a few people that, that got their names on windows. And even now some of the retiring execs, um, are not there. If you're, even if you're a retired Imagineer, it's still an honor. Not everybody gets that high praise, right? Um, one of the things in, in Disneyland, just side note. So Harper Goff, which was one of the original people who, developed the jungle cruise he does not have his name on main street but his name is on a window in the queue for the jungle cruise right so and he's like one of the only people that is off there there's a few in frontier land too so they, you know they had to boy, boy, the main street is the pinnacle right to have your name on a on a on a window there yeah i was going to say that they they brought that tradition really throughout the parks and you can find a lot of nods to the inspiration of attractions or whatever, but it is the main street one. That's, that's the big one. That's the one you want to be at. 
if it's the hall of fame if you will for the for the uh imagineers and whoever else is working on that now does the tour have any interaction with other cast members or like the vehicles driving by in the street is there any kind of play or description of what's going on there um we talk a little bit about them or, we, or at least on our tour we talked a little yeah. bit about some of those things um but we didn't really other than like a or you know kind of thing we didn't really um have interaction with the, the people we definitely talked about um so if you've been to disneyland uh going down main street you've seen the tracks and those types of things but you're you're not seeing quite as many forms of transportation did i say that backwards disney world you've seen the tracks and everything but you don't there's more forms of transportation to get you down main street um in disneyland um and that that was by design as they kind of wanted you to feel like you could possibly go through the years. So like you mentioned, the fire truck would come out, they've got the horse pulled carriages and the trolleys and, um, and everything. And one of the cool things is at the end of the tour, when you're on Walt's patio is you can watch all those vehicles kind of make their rounds and pick people up and bring them down. And it's, it's kind of cool to watch because there's times where they're in sync that it's like it's in chronological order that you're seeing transportation evolve and mm -hmm. round the bend, pick people up from, you know, wherever after they've just entered the park and and take them down Main Street towards the castle, which is kind of fun. Um, but we um, we didn't we didn't have a lot of interaction with other cast members. It was primarily just with the tour guide um, and it, we'd stop a few different places and and just you know she'd share some stories which definitely involve other cast members like apparently okay so if you kind of round the corner and you picture casey's right hot dog shop what colors go around the marquee red and white red and white and the light bulbs alternate colors right so what happens to when you come all the way around and one side says that the bulb should be red and one side says it should be white, right? Like you've got a red bulb. <laughs> they actually have light bulbs, custom-made light bulbs that are half red and half white that have to be screwed in just so, so that if you're looking from one angle, it looks like a white light. And when you're looking from the other angle, it looks like a red light. And they have these made. There's two spots that need them on that um, marquee. And apparently it's one of the most stressful jobs for the maintenance personnel on Main Street when one of those bulbs goes out, because if you line it up incorrectly, then it throws off the whole look as you're coming down Main Street from the park, right? So it has to be perfect. But if you think about screwing in a light bulb, how often are you thinking like it, the light bulb does what it wants, right? <laughs> like you're not. Doesn't matter, off. right? Doesn't matter. It's to the right spot. Yeah. So um, so one of the things our tour guide was saying is when one burns out, like there's a buzz all over Main Street among cast members that day, like somebody's gonna have to change it tonight. It's gonna be brutal. <laughs> my my business brain wants to know. Does Disney have a specific manufacturer of these bulbs that makes X quantity per year? Or did Disney just buy like a million of these and put them in inventory somewhere? Because you got to imagine these are not the bulbs that are in there. They're not like standard what you can buy in the store today, bulbs. So who's yeah. even manufacturing yeah, my, them? My understanding of the history behind it is a little bit of both, that they did buy a huge inventory of it. But I also heard there's times when they had problems with the supply chain. And they were running low and they were really getting stressful because, you know, the early things at Disney, you you, re, 
realize that the night crew, the night shift that goes in, used to touch up paint on everywhere. They used to go to the, the shooting galleries and repaint them every night if there were nicks on them. The light bulbs was another story. There's a very and there's very famous stories about reprimands coming to people who didn't screw those light bulbs in um, correctly, right? There's there's some classic stories about people who are high up in the organization getting chewed out for not doing that properly, right? So it, yeah, that's a very famous, the red and white light bulb is very famous on refreshment corner there. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, and if you don't already know the story, you would never notice it, right? You would never stop and catch that that light bulb or those two light bulbs are two different colors. Um, but yeah, now, now I'm super intrigued as if like there's a case of light bulbs just hanging out. <laughs> it's just like, it goes out like once every six months and like, yep, go to building C filled with nothing but light bulbs, you know? <laughs> hey, new guy, this is your <laughs> yeah, right. Burden, right? It's up um, in Burbank in Walt's vault. <laughs> <laughs> he got a lot of them made. It's going to be fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's fine. Cool. So. Yeah, yeah, great. I love the stories like that. And then, and so you said it was really telling stories on the tour, which made it a lot more interesting. Yeah, one of my favorite stories is that there used to be for, uh, I think it was like close to 30 years. I want to say um, it opened in 1960 and it closed right around 1990. There was a Sunkissed Citrus House on Main Street and they had fresh squeezed juice and they had sodas and, and all this kind of thing, right? So, so one night, there were some guy, some folks in there doing maintenance and repair and, and what have you. And they believed themselves to be alone, which is logical because it's the middle of the night, right? And they heard a noise. So they turn to see that there's somebody else in the building and it's none other than Walt Disney himself in his bathrobe. Because <laughs> he of course has the keys to everything. So he had decided late at night that he wanted some, some juice. And even though he had juice at his apartment, and even though he had a, a juicer at his apartment, so he could have fresh squeezed orange juice from his apartment, he liked what happened over at Sunkiss because it was just better, right? Like they had the machines to squeeze the orange right. juice. So he had gone over there to get himself some juice, did not realize that there were workers in there, you know, doing their thing. So I am just, you know, in your mind's eye, you picture this quiet, dark main street Walt in a bathrobe just making his way down, you know, like, like you would go to the kitchen. It's so crazy to me to think like, how cool is that? That after dark, just all of Disneyland is at your disposal. Um, and of course it would be the same for his, his grandkids and, and so on his kids. So he went in there and, uh, you know, they startled each other to begin with and then started having a conversation. And he had explained, you know, he was coming for juice because it was better there. And it turns out that, you know, these guys were kind of into different kinds of woodworking and they shared some interest with Walt and they stood there for a couple hours hanging out, uh, talking about their common interests. How, how cool would that be if you're the, the maintenance worker that just thought you were going to go in and do a couple simple repairs at the, the Sunkiss store and you end up having this full on conversation with Walt Disney in his bathroom, <laughs> um, you know, at night. It's. And it's at the cool. end of the conversation, Walt's in his bathrobe, lights a cigarette and waves at him and says, juicer's broken. Merry Christmas. Oh, uh, yeah, it's crazy, right? It's just. I just think of like when I think of that image of 
Walt in a in a bathrobe with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. It takes me back to like my childhood and my father in the basement late at night. And it's just like nine quarters of the ash is just like hanging off while he's like <laughs> sitting there talking to people. It's like, I've never seen you in this light before. It's very strange. <laughs> so um so the big finale is you you go to the fire station right and, and get a tour of the fire station because that's where walt's apartment was is above the fire station at the head of main street that's correct yes yeah, so it was above the fire station and there's um there's a, a gateway to a backstage area there where there's a small staircase that actually goes up to the apartment and that's how the main entrance would be to the apartment but when it was first designed and first built because it's Walt Disney and he's a fun guy, right? He wants in a in a fire station, you have a fire pole. He wants a working fire pole that you could, instead of the stairs, you could come down the fire pole. So they they put one in and it went right straight up to the apartment. Um, well, I feel so bad for this parent. Um, there was a child who actually climbed up the fire pole one day, popped right on into the Disney's apartment while Walt was in there doing some work. And they then forced Walt to close that up permanently so that you know we didn't have any more interlopers come in so um so now the the only access to the apartment is through this staircase so you know um if you're facing the fire station it's just uh to the right of that and so we were able to go backstage now the one downside about the tour and it's a rule at disney i I saw it coming is that when you're in a backstage area you can't take pictures so um you know the disney fan in me is looking around like i want to photograph all the things but you can't. Um, so you head uh, up these stairs right in. There's just a little breezeway going into the apartment. And they had us put down um, any bags or anything that we were carrying. Um, we could, at that point, take off. We were wearing those earpieces. We didn't need them. We were inside the apartment. We kind of set those all aside in a pile. And the tour guide showed us around the apartment a little bit. Now, it's not, I, I know people think like, oh, Walt Disney, right? He, he could have built this massive, it, it's a small apartment, guys. It's not this massive apartment. Think about the size of the fire station. That's the footprint we're working with. It was not huge. Um, in fact, it didn't have bedrooms. It had a living space and the couches, there are two couches that converted into beds that you know the adults would tend to sleep in and the kids would sleep on the floor in between because they had sleepovers with the grandkids all the time uh, at the apartment. So there was that, a little, just a little kitchenette kind of thing, um, just enough to get by and make things. If you're at Disneyland, you don't probably need a full kitchen because you've got access to lots of food and that whole sun-kissed uh, citrus house right there. Especially when you're the owner. <laughs> right. So, yeah. I mean, and he's got the keys. He's got the keys, right? So he doesn't need um, to have a full kitchen. They did have some stuff, though, because they did a lot of entertaining in the apartment as well, um, not just their family, but bringing in, you know, various business associates and so on um original artifacts that are in there because i know when he built this he modeled it after his uh aunts or grandmother's kind of um welcome uh parlor right like they used to call in the old days a parlor the receiving room to to entertain guests and that and he got a lot of criticism in a lot of the books when he did it because they were you know Oh, it's Firehouse Red. Well, it was really red and people thought it looked like a New Orleans bordello, you know, with all the drapings and leather and and uh, velvet and everything and tassels, you know. But so so I know that they've kept it true to that original form. But were there any original 
artifacts that were in there that were, you know, gifts or belonging or history to them? Or are they, have they since kind of scooped that stuff out and put replacements in there? They have done some replacing um, and, and some changeovers, but it's pretty true to actually uh, the vision that uh, Mrs. Disney had. Uh, she got to have a little bit more say there too. Um, lots of florals and those types of things. Um, there's a picture actually of Walt working in the apartment. He's on the phone and there's a couple of kids that are laying on the floor playing. And the decor shown in that photograph is pretty much exactly what you see in the apartment today. Um, the photographs and things on the walls are of their family members. Um, there's a lot of things that are artifacts that are original. Uh, you can't touch anything, <laughs> anything at all. And that lamp, there's a really famous lamp in the apartment. Um, and that's replicated, you know, if you go other places, but this lamp was, uh, or is always kept burning. Um, and actually they were sharing, even during COVID when the park was shut down, that lamp stayed on. Um, and it's a representation kind of, of, of Walt Disney's light and spirit within the parks, but you can't get too close to that. Uh, the furniture, uh, as far as the couches that, that turned to the beds, that's all, all original that was there as well. Um, definitely. I mean, you walk in and uh, somebody who was on the tour with us was like, oh, it's like walking into like your grandmother's attic or something. Well, it was it was decorated quite some time ago. Right. So it's not going to be modern trends. Um, and, and it is. It's a lot of the florals and those types of things. The bathroom has a whole lot of pink in it. Um, and the bathroom, the bathroom has a lot of shower heads as well. And our tour guide felt like she really needed to point that out. She's like, yeah, there's something unique about the bathroom. See if you can figure out what it is. And we're all like, you know, <laughs> what are we going to find? But she says they don't know why there were so many. He just thought it was neat. Like he thought it was interesting to have Every angle you need to shower. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. When we first started talking about this and getting the inside view and talking about all the different things and the fire pole and all this stuff. And I'm like, Walt Disney was a swinger, right? Like, like yeah, that's that's what it's gotta be, right? Like, could you imagine the pickup lines he'd be able to have to bring a couple back? Like, I've got the most magical place on earth. <laughs> you know, so uh, multiple shower heads, just, I wasn't gonna say it. And then you said that, and now I'm convinced that's that's what it is. I think that had more to do with Club 33 than it did the apartment. But. <laughs> A little bit of both, maybe. <laughs> Who knows, you know? Just, uh, well, anyway, so the uh, the one at the door to the patio is right across from the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> nice segue, Nicole. Right. Um, the patio actually didn't used to be the size that it is today um, because part of the, the way out to the patio is where that entrance from the fire pole down below used to be so once they sealed it up they were able to put a door out onto this patio the patio itself is almost the same size as the living area of the apartment like the apartment's tiny um the patio is amazing and it was one of walt's favorite places it's if they were going to have a lot of people over to entertain the space inside wasn't huge they spent a lot of time outside you could take in views of of main street the park entrance you know he would see people that he knew he would yell down to them and, and run down and go meet them you know out on main street or call them up to the apartment um today they've put up a lot more fencing so there's minimal views in fact at one point we were um just concluding the the 
tire tour, getting ready to, to grab our belongings and leave. And a lot of us were looking kind of over the fence towards the flagpole, watching the vehicles, as I was describing earlier. And people were getting um, out from, from riding from the back of the park or the castle end of Main Street towards the front and noticed us. And they were all like, how did they get up? You know, get there. What is that ride? What's that the line for? Like, we were laughing because we could hear their conversations of trying to figure out who are those people and how did they get there? Um, and so I can imagine similar moments for guests that they look up and be like, is that Walt Disney? What's going on? You know, um, but the patio is such a cool place. So that they, the tour itself is about 90 minutes and a half hour or so of that was the apartment and, and really the patio time. We all kind of chatted and got to know each other. One of the things that, that they wanted to bring about is that part of the story of Disneyland is the story of the guests too. So talk, like get to, get to know each other a little bit, what brought you here, those types of things, um, which I can see some people being totally into and other people like, yeah, I wanted to see Walt's apartment. I don't care about those people, but um, they had big old cookies for us that were specially decorated and said Walt's Main Street story. And, and it was nice uh, to sit and chat and really, um, be quiet for a few moments because when you were quiet, you heard the park in a totally different way. Um, and that led to another really kind of favorite story is the Disney's would have their grandchildren stay in the apartment with them all the time, right? Cause like um, if you're a kid and your grandparents have an apartment at Disneyland, that's actually on main street. Like, isn't that mind blowing? Like I thought it was cool to visit my grandparents as a kid. That's more likely than swingers probably. Yeah. <laughs> the reason for all of that yeah yeah, there but, you go. But, yeah well, but that would be incredible it'd be so cool right i'm gonna spend the weekend with my grandparents on main street uh um so the the grandkids would play there they would they would go out on the patio and so on but the fire station in walt's apartment is very very close to the jungle cruise in disneyland physically speaking and we could sit out on the patio, even today, even with all the foliage that's grown in much more than it was when Walt was alive um, and, and that kind of thing. You can hear the Jungle Cruise nice and clear from the patio, um, all the animal sounds and, and the skippers going by and all of that, which um, I know Walt liked to do. And um, his grandkids, um, I guess... That our guide was saying she's like it's hard to imagine that they got bored while they were here but just for fun <laughs> they would sometimes uh hop down off the patio and go into the woods there and start jumping out and scaring passengers on the jungle cruise <laughs> and so the jungle cruise uh cast members would have to call up to the apartment and be like hey you need to rein your grandkids and they're causing some trouble down here they're scaring guests again and uh they would have to go get the grandkids. So, um, you know, yes, it is possible to get in trouble at Disneyland, even if your grandparents are the Disneys themselves. Um, but that was really cool. And, and um, you know, I know Carl knows some stories about Walt enjoying the proximity of his apartment to the, the Jungle Cruise as well. Yeah, he does. That was famous. And we, we had a guest on, um, uh, David Marley, who wrote uh, the history of the Jungle Cruise in all the parks. And he talks about how Walt in the evenings would be on that patio and the skippers going around that the foliage was a little bit more sparse, would see a glow of a cigarette from that patio. And they knew Walt was out back just relaxing and listening to the boats go by. Right. Um, and that was kind of a signal they knew he was there. And Walt loved to 
listen to them and listen to the gunshots and the hippos and listen to the spiel and the whole thing. So yeah, that was very close um, to that. And the dry dock to the boats is very close around the corner of those buildings too. So there was not much space, right? And Disneyland is so compact compared to Disney World that they had to use every inch of that space. And um, yeah, so that was one of his favorite attractions and it was right out his back door, literally. Quite literally, yeah. I mean, it, it was was neat to be able to, you know, in 2022, sit there and listen to those sounds because we're so used to the parks doing a really beautiful job of there not being intrusion between areas where if you're on Main Street, you're not going to hear anything from a jungle cruise. That's just you know, that's a no-no. And um, it was so cool to sit there and, and listen to it all and, and to know that Walt used to do that, right? He used to sit there in the evening and, and enjoy and listen. And he loved hearing the guest reactions or seeing the guest reactions. That was one of the things he loved most about where his apartment was located was that he could see people's reactions as they entered the park in the morning. So, those feelings like I had and like you share that you had going to Disneyland for the first time imagine you have a view to to see people's faces as they have those feelings and those reactions every day that's pretty amazing um or the railroad we know we love trains right so the railroad's going right by and and you can hop on anytime you want and um it's just really cool stuff and there's a lot of thought that went into all of the design but so much of it was Walt's thought and his stories and the things that were important to him. Um, I don't recall if I shared like the gas lamps along the street were all authentic. I'm trying to recall which city they actually bought them all from. Um, but those were authentic gas lamps um, that they put in. And that was important to him because he wanted it to have the right feel. So all those things that we kind of now, walk into whether it's Disneyland or Disney World and are like Disney does a great job making sure with authenticity and whatever it's just such a wonderful thing that's 100% because it was so important to Walt Disney and people followed his lead like it's it's rooted in the in the base of the company right it's it's just as important as storytelling is to the company the attention to detail is just as important and it makes sense because if you're going to tell an effective story, you have to have the accurate elements in that story. So and maybe you embellish them to get a get an extra laugh or a clap or whatever, but it still has to be authentic. So it, it makes total sense, honestly. Well, and that's movies, right? If right. you think about where he got his start in film, the more authentic you can be, the more true you can be, the more you connect with your audience. And it's the same thing when you bring it to life. And he was smart enough to know that which is really cool. Smart enough to know it and follow through on it. Because how many people have ideas and as soon as somebody says that, like, that's terrible, that's stupid, that's too much work, you're like, okay, I give up, right? And he well, just- quality is, you know, look at quality is something that is appreciated and sold to the most pickiest grandparents right down to the toddler, right? They know what is authentic and what is quality versus not. And that's what it was all about. And he really, like you both just said, put that discipline into the designing and creation of Disneyland. And it looks like you got a real glimpse into that. Dudes, do you have any last questions for Nicole uh, about her tour on Main Street? 
Yeah, the one uh, one thing that we definitely should touch on for our uh, listeners here, more of the details, like what what do um, what do our folks have to do uh, in order if they want to do this on their own? Like what what as much as it'd be great if this was a free tour, obviously we know this is a added expense. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, what 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 like what are the details? Like what does this cost? All that? How do we how do we go about uh, signing up for this and whatnot? So, well, the first thing would be that you want to book your Disneyland vacation with a travel agent. <laughs> <laughs> and your MVP, you're, preferably <laughs> yes, your MVP, and um, they can help with a, arranging this. So, um, the tours both at Disneyland and Disney World are kind of some of these extras, and there's various timelines as to when those are going to open up and become available for booking. Um, this particular tour was only $160, and I'll tell you right now, it was the best $160 dollars I've ever spent in a Disney park because it was such a connection back and honestly if you if you price compare to some of the other tours that are offered 160 for a 90 minute tour is pretty reasonable by Disney park standards um so if you've you booked with an agent this is something they could set up for you in talking about um you would have to make sure at this point in time that you had a valid park admission already for that day and I don't see that ever changing. So you're going to have your valid park admission. And at this point, you would also need to have a park reservation. And, and unless you had a park hopper. And then if you booked the tour, even if you started the, the day at Disney's California Adventure, you could hop over in the afternoon and do this tour. But your, your travel advisor could, could help make sure you have the right ticket type and you pick the right time of day to take the tour so that you're able to, um, you know, your park admission's not included. So you don't want to get there and be like, I'm going to go see Walt Disney's apartment, but I don't have a ticket. Um, the other thing is considering your time of day. So there's going to be times of day. And again, this is where a travel advisor can help you some where Main Street's going to be busier than other times, right around park opening and right around park closing, of course. Um, they do tend to offer the tour. I believe the first one is usually around um, between nine and 10 in the morning. And they continue on through the afternoon. They do stop as um, you get around sunset because then it's it's too dark to see things and and you know that kind of thing. So when you do something more early afternoon, Main Street tends to be a little bit quieter than in that morning rush. Um, but you can check availability and all of those different things as far as the tour goes and what times are available each day just on on Disneyland's website or again something your travel advisor can do and report back to you and say. You know, I'd recommend that you do this on a weekday instead of a Saturday because the park's going to be less crowded or those types of things. Um, 160 bucks for 90 minutes and a refreshment. That's a, a large cookie that you want to save because it's really cool and says Walt's Main Street Story, but then you realize it's a cookie, so you can't really save it for, for posterity. <laughs> you do get to keep your your um, lanyard with the tag that says Walt's Main Street Story. So that that's yours to keep. Everything else uh Take the cookie, leave the lanyard. <laughs> um, they're large cookies, which nobody opened or ate on our tour. Everybody had their beverage, um, but nobody nobody opened their cookie. And I feel like there was one person there who was kind of, she wanted to, but it was like, nobody else is doing it. I don't want to be like the, the one, the one pink lady that, that you know, goes into I, the I'd totally be the one that opened my cookie first. I wouldn't care. I'd be like, y'all can eat it now. I'm going to do it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> you get crumbs all over Walt's patio. Um, 
but the, the logistics, yeah, of booking it are, especially if you've worked with a travel planner, are going to be really simple. Um, but even on your own, um, just Disneyland's website does have a section that that shows their tours and that kind of thing. And hopefully you'll see more options listed there soon um, as they continue to kind of staff back up and normalize. Well, excellent. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us thank and you. educating us, as you often do, on the exciting things that Walt Disney has to offer. And until next time, later, dudes. Later, dudes. Later, dudes. Later, dudes. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Dudes Dish Disney. Please check us out on social media, on Facebook at Dudes Dish Disney, on Instagram at Dudes Dish Disney, on Twitter at Disney underscore Dish. Please visit our sponsor, Magic Vacations, at magicvacations.net. More than just a travel agency, Magic Vacations has over 60 Magic Vacation planners committed to bringing you white glove concierge service. Using a Magic Vacation planner allows you to spend more time making memories and less time worrying about the details. For all of your Disney, Universal, Cruise, and Global travel, go to magicvacations.net. Magic Vacations, discover the magic of travel.